You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, sharing testimonies and putting purpose to pain. My name is Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. The Over a Drink podcast. Um, for those of you who are still around, uh, hey, um, I have taken a long hiatus. Um, and I would say I'm sorry, but I'm just not. I unapologetically like had life creep up on me, and um, there was a part of me that had some uh, perfectionism, like paralysis of like I understood now that I how I want things to be, and I changed from how I started this podcast of just like flying the plane as we built it, but like to now everything had to be perfect before I started doing it again. And I realized how much I missed podcasting. And so part of me is sorry, but also the other part of me is like, my daughter's 15 months old now and she's a psychopath. Like I love her so much, but she is a psychopath and she takes over my life and I love it in the greatest way. Um, my wife is doing some cool things and uh, being a father comes second to being a husband, but both of those come way above being a podcast host and so here i am today sitting in my basement with a good friend of mine uh my dog is upstairs barking because i'm pretty sure my new standing desk is getting delivered by amazon so praise god for amazon i'm going to kill him if you can pick that up in the background i am so sorry but here's the thing we're all human so um here we go josh uh my friend josh is here and Josh is, he is a good friend of mine who I've met through church. Um, and I don't know how to describe Josh other than like servant hearted. Um, he is like a all-star servant leader at our church, I would say. He he does, you're on the greet team, correct? Um, no, not the greet team, the serves team. You're Serve team, so lead lead the prayer team, and yeah. then uh, campus lead, kind of overseeing all functions of the church on various Sundays. Yeah, Josh of the volunteers does a little bit of everything. That's why I'm sitting here. I'm like, I know that. Yeah, Swiss Army knife He's type, a, of type of guy. Yeah, then that's that's the best place to be. Um, so, Josh, I I want to introduce you, but I also want you to introduce yourself. And so I I do this thing, and it's fun for me. Um, so, and everything needs to be self-serving to me because I'm selfish. So if it's fun for me, we have to do it. Uh, but, <laughs> um, you're on an elevator and you have, it's not a Vegas hotel. It's like a Denver hotel. So you okay. get like, you get like nine floors, uh, to tell me who you are. And then when you get off the elevator, that's all I get to know about you. Wow. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll hit floor nine. Um, so first off, um, my my number one priority, number number one goal in life is to follow Jesus as closely as I can, yeah. and uh, you know His Word is His will and plan for my life, and all of that to say that um, that has taken me to where I'm at now, which I know we'll get into in more detail here. But um, grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, a tiny little little burg of uh, northern Michigan, north of Wisconsin. Um. Yeah, grew up in a grew up in a tiny town, and uh, went to school in a tiny school, and ended up uh, making my making my way down to Lower Michigan. Um, you made your then, way downtown. Yeah, were you yeah, walking fast? And, uh, I was. You know, that's a great question. No, no, it took me a while to get uh, get down to uh, to Lower Michigan, where where the big cities were. So, but um, yeah, made my way out here, and along the way, I had some incredible. Uh, Incredible stuff happened. A lot of uh, a lot of difficulties and a lot of trying things, but uh, God has hand a, had a hand in that all the way, and that's yeah. uh, something I'm super thankful for. Yeah, and I'm excited to hear it. I do need to say that you missed my reference to. You said you were making your way down, and I said 
uh, we walking fast and then making my way downtown, walking <laughs> fast, faces fast, and I'm all. Oh about. my gosh! You know what? That song reminds me of the movie White Chicks. Yeah, yeah, and I now feel silly yeah. because you were like, I did. It took me a normal amount of time to get down to this. Right? <laughs> yeah, I completely. <laughs> normally, normally I'm the guy who tosses those little one-liners out there and waiting for somebody else to pick up on it. So we'll uh, we'll get acquainted with yeah, that, that throughout that, the well, course of our conversation. <laughs> um. You're a youper, um, yeah, and I won't hold that against you. You're a Michigan fan? You know, I get that question a lot, and here's what I tell everybody. I didn't go to any of the big schools that would either pin me in the Michigan or Michigan State category. Yeah, I went to a small school that did not have a football team, so I do not have any sort of allegiance to any of the schools. Okay. That's a good Um, place to be, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it keeps me out of a lot of unnecessary back and forths and arguments. With Ohio people. State and Michigan people. I'm a, I have close friends in both <laughs> camps. Um, so before we get started, I just want to yeah. take a quick second uh, to talk about what we're going to do. Uh, Over a Drink was born. You and I were just talking about this off mic. But Over a Drink was born out of the idea of an armory is a place where a military force keeps their weapons and sometimes soldiers are stored to or mm-hmm. are trained to use them. Revelation 12, nine says, uh, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The word of our testimony, therefore is our weapon in overcoming because the blood of the lamb, blood of the lamb is Jesus. I have nothing to do f- for that. Like that is the cross. Thank you, Jesus for the cross. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I want, I have this dream of creating an and so over a drink is the armory. It's a library of testimonies. You and I are going to sit down and we are going to put words to what God has done in your life. And we're going to give glory to the Lord through your testimony. And by that, we're going to push back darkness and we are going to oppose the enemy. Um, and that's what we're going to do. That's the significance of this. Um, and so I'm really excited to hear your story. I'm really excited um, to have you on. I'm going to give a little teaser to have you on and to talk about some of the things that are on your heart, but that's going to be on a new podcast that I'm building. Um, and so that'll be another day, uh, another social media post. But um, for right now, Josh, let's, I want to give the floor to you um, and just say like, Holy spirit, breathe. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> thanks Mitch. Um, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share what I hope um, is a blessing to, um, whoever gets to listen to it. Right. Um, this is, this is my story. I'm a, I'm a character in the story, but this is God's story ultimately. Um, this is, this is him showing off because the stuff that, uh, stuff that's transpired and taken place has, it could have gone a different direction. So, um, and I think what you're doing, um, you know, and just like you said, you know, you're, you're kind of filling the armory, so to speak. I mean, this, these testimonies are, um, uh, you know, an opportunity for us to put on, um, you know, the shield and the armor of God to go out into the world and blaze a trail with him, with him at our side. So, um, I, I love everything about this. So thank you again for having me. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so let's, uh, I'll start off in the beginning. So from the upper peninsula of Michigan, a town, um, called Gladstone, Michigan, it's about a town of about 8,000 people. Um, the neighboring town, Escanaba, would be something a little bit more recognizable to people. And then a town called Marquette, which is even more recognizable to the north. But nonetheless, I grew up in a very, a very small rural area and super blessed for it. You know, there's just been some tremendous blessings that have come out of it. Um, I uh, I joke around with people all the time. Like, yeah, I grew up in an era where it was, you know, cassette tapes, drinking out of garden hoses off the side of the house, <laughs> you know, uh playing around in the dirt and where my mom had to, had to call me three or four times to come in that night, you know, cause yeah. we didn't have video games. We had none of that stuff. So I was super, super blessed to, to have grown up there. But, um, <clears throat> so I'll, let me back up on my parents' story a little bit, cause this is going to kind of help shape the, the pathway here. So, um, both of my parents, um, were married before they got married and had me. So my dad was married, had two daughters. My mom was married, had a daughter my parents got married, had me. So, um, I had three half sisters, um, that I grew up with and a lot of amazing things have taken place over the course of time to mend those relationships. And I'll kind of get into that here in a minute. But, um, so yeah, um, grew up, uh, 
you know, parents were, you know, together, obviously. And um, we grew up in a uh, traditional Catholic household. So um, my dad grew up in a, uh, his childhood didn't have any real faith component to it. My mom grew up, the Catholic uh, religion kind of got brought into our family through, through my mom. So um, mom's side of the family, all Italian, dad's side of the family, a um, little bit of uh, German, a little bit Italian. So, so we had this very traditional um, Catholic uh, kind of basis in our family. Um, now, what I didn't understand as a kid is why I was going to church, why I was sitting there. I knew that I had to. I knew that, that if I went, so to speak, quote unquote, on a Sunday, that I was being a good Catholic and that's all that mattered. Because that's all I knew. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a relationship with God, uh, and I didn't. Now looking back on it, it doesn't really look like there was much of a relationship that existed with God in the family. Mm. It was all about you know religion over relationship, and you know God wants the opposite from us. So, um, so there, I'm saying all of that to, to establish a faith foundation that was kind of there off in the distance. It was kind of like an accessory. Um, versus a roadmap. So, um, so for my parents, that faith foundation was loosely existing. It wasn't something that they, they, um, you know, drove their marriage through. It wasn't something that they aligned with God. Yeah. So, um, moving on, you know, um, I watched my parents go through a lot of difficulties. Um, my dad grew up in a way where work was paramount, where you, you, you were nothing unless you were a hard worker. That was it. So my dad prioritized it that way. He prioritized work one, two, and three, and his family four, five, and six, and down the list. Uh, and friends were somewhere scattered in there as well. So I watched my fam- uh, my parents go through a lot of difficult times. Um, I'll never forget watching them get into arguments and fights in front of me, um, in front of my sister and I. Um, and then one day my dad and I were on our way up to our cabin, which we still have today, and he looked over and he says, hey, just want to let you know mom's leaving. And uh, I said, well, what do, what do you mean mom's leaving? She's like, she wants a divorce. So, okay. Um, and I'm thinking to myself as a kid, and like, okay, well, there's two people involved. There's got to be some some stuff here on both sides of the aisle, right? But as a kid, you just you just move on and you, you form this protection shield around you. Um, so what I had to witness, you know, going forward was a lot of, tactics and battling for me um both parents wanted custody of me my dad was extremely spiteful so he wanted custody based based out of that my mom was extremely hurt so there was a lot of nasty stuff that took place between the two of them trying to jockey for position so to speak and trying to trying to have me yeah and how old were you at this time i was eight eight that does a lot for an eight-year-old in their development i'd have to imagine you said you put you created a protecting yeah, I I had to because um, there were things that attorneys on my mom's side were trying to you know encouraging her to do um, to, to to provoke a response out of my dad, which would have gotten her custody of me. Um, so I had to see my mom in an element that just wasn't her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up really quickly. Um, there was a lot of stuff at an early age that I shouldn't have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I knew back then was. Um, Mom was leaving, dad was staying. And I had a, an opportunity to choose where I wanted to live and why why any system, attorney, what have you, would, would leave that decision up to a, or at least give part of the decision up to an eight-year-old is beyond me. But um, my choice was to live with my dad. And I'll never forget, Mitch, the day that the decision was handed down of who was going to get custody. Um my mom came in the house. This is what she was still kind of living there and on her way out. Um, the decision was for my dad to have custody of me. And I'll never forget, um, my mom's kind of running hysterically through the house, just a, a complete mess. And she went into her room and locked the door. And I remember just sitting outside of her door with my back against the door, just like knocking on it, like, hey, can I come in? Can we talk? And I'm like eight years old, right? Yeah. I don't know anything. And my mom was just, you know, she just like was in hysterics. She's like, go away. This is all your fault. Because she knew that I made that, or I had a hand in that decision, right? Yeah. So, so parents split, um, you know, learned how to do laundry, learned how to cook, learned how to do a lot of things at eight years old um, that most people don't. 
You grew um, up fast. Grew up, grew up way too quickly. My childhood at that moment, at that particular moment when the parents' divorce was robbed from me, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, because not too far after that, both of my parents got remarried. Um, my dad within like seven or eight months, and primarily because he needed a, um, a mother for me. Um, my mom, our relationship was extremely strained. Um, she ended up moving about an hour away from me. Um, so I, I rarely saw her, rarely talked to her on the phone. My sister, who was from my mom's first marriage, she was off to college, so I didn't have a relationship there. So I was really, I, I found myself floundering around. My dad got remarried to a woman where, you know, I was looking for any kind of a family connection. So I kind of found roots in her family. Um, and my safety net was with my dad. Yeah. So that, that marriage lasted about five years. They got divorced. My dad got remarried again. My mom had also gotten divorced, got remarried again. Wow. So there was a lot of, at an early age, a lot of outgoing, incoming, outgoing, incoming. So there's a lot of, you know, being vulnerable and being comfortable with somebody. And then it's just boom, in an instant, they're uprooted and they're out. Yeah. How does that affect you today? You know what? I'm super thankful for everything that's taken place for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, had I not dug into the faith-based therapy that I did, Mm -hmm. um, about 12 years ago, we'd probably be having a different conversation. Yeah. Um, but I've done the work and I've healed from it. I've gone through all the forgiveness and I mean, amazing things have happened because of all of that. But mainly the thing that I'm thankful for is the people that I come in contact with, whether it's at church, outside of church. I mean, it could be on an airplane, an Uber, whatever, whatever it might be. God's just has strategically positioned people in my pathway that I can be a blessing to that have gone through similar things. And I don't think any of those things happen by accident. Yeah. And like, this is an opportunity right now. Like what's one thing, because a lot of people haven't done faith-based counseling 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people <clears throat> have stories of parents who split multiple times. Uh, they have attachment, um, I'm not going to say issues, but like scars, hurt um, from that. Um, trust issues. Trust mm-hmm. issues is a bad word. I hate that because I, I don't want to say it's an issue. Maybe it's an issue. No, I don't know. But I, Does issues, the word issue, like does that, is that offensive? Because like to me, I'm like, <clears throat> I... I have a bad relationship with my mental health. So to me, I'm like, yeah, I call it an issue. It's like, I hate it. My mental health like has been an issue to me. But you didn't really like choose to have your parents split. Right. I, I think, and, and, and I 100% agree with you, I think issue has this negative connotation. Like yeah. it's a, like it's a, um, like you're a bit of a, you're lesser or you're a bit of a throwaway in some respects because yeah. of your, you have this attachment to a, to a negative or a hurt. Yeah. Um, I look at it more of as a, as a repairable scar through God. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that repairable <clears throat> scar. And God is the ultimate healer, right? Yeah. Um, God can take control of any situation and, and make good out of it. If he has participation from you, hmm. that's the key. Yeah. Um, God is not a cosmic order taker. He's not just going to sit there. We can't sit in a chair and just say, ah, well, I wish that would go away and just wait for something to happen. Yeah. God needs participation from us. Yeah. that's a, We're going to talk about that when you come on because that is something that the Lord has been teaching my wife and I a lot in the last couple months that it's like <laughs> we play a role in our healing. It's like we, we play a role in our sanctification. We play a role in our repentance and our heart change. We play a role. It's not just a one-sided relationship, and I love that you say that. And um, 12 years ago, back back to my uh, – I have a very uh, squirrel brain. Um, but you said that you've loved being able to share with people who have had similar experiences, things that mm-hmm. you've learned. And I'd love to give you another chance right now um, for somebody who's, who – might be like, hey, I relate to that. Like, that's that was, was me. Like, what's one nugget um, until <clears throat> one nugget, and then we get back on the highway of of your story. Yeah. Um, but we're taking a pit stop at at Josh Nugget. Um, it's a chicken nugget place. If you guys were wondering. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but what's a what's a what's a, a a little nugget that you could give us? Well, <clears throat> I think. Once, <clears throat> number one, I don't think any anything like what I'm about to talk about happens until until you are linked arms with God, and that happens through getting saved, born again, 
going through a prayer of salvation, getting baptized, all of those different types of things where you rededicate your life to the Lord. Um, the second component to that for me was knowing that life was happening for me, not to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the more we walk around with a crutch underneath our arm perpetually and, and you know, everything's happening to me. I've got this kind of like the, almost like a victim sort of a, a of a, um, a spirit around it. Um, I don't think that things can happen where you can be blessing other people. At least it's going to be a little bit more difficult, mm-hmm. but a nugget would be this <clears throat> in any, any situation that I go into, whether I'm going to church, whether I'm getting on a plane, whether I'm walking down the street, walking into a meeting, I don't care where it is. I'm always submitting and surrendering to God before those situations and asking him to put, put me in a position to be a blessing to somebody. Mm-hmm. I might not have to say a thing. I might just look at somebody. Yeah. I have no idea what it's going to be, but I am, I am giving myself over to him and say, okay, here, use me as a tool in any of these situations, mm. put me where I need to be. Mm. That's the vulnerability that I think needs to accompany any type of hurt or um, things, any situations from the past that have taken place and how God can use you. You just got to be willing and ready and in, in surrender with him. Yeah. Dang. I think actually, no, I'm, let's go, let's go forward. Um, so your parents, your mom, says it's your fault. Um, they get married, they get remarried, divorced, remarried. Um, are you having other siblings come in? Or are they are these uh new spouses kidless? So that's a great question. Um in my dad's second marriage post mom. Okay. okay. So this would be his fourth marriage. Mm-hmm. Um that woman did have a child and this is the first time in like in my childhood and growing up where I felt like my dad um, dropped me as the priority. Like I was a part of it, but I think he was more interested in, she was way younger than him. Um, and my dad will probably listen to this, so he's not going to, and we've talked about this so many times, so both my parents. So anything that we talk about is, yeah. is nothing that I haven't talked to them about, but... I really believe that my dad was so hyper focused in on um kind of reeling in the the unattainable woman in town, so to speak. Yeah. So a a lot of what came along with that wasn't good for me. Okay. It wasn't good yeah. for my relationship with my dad. She had a daughter that was very difficult to deal with at an early age. Okay. And when my dad got remarried to her, I had a pit in my stomach and and such a lack of peace about what I what what I was feeling was, okay, she's 16 years younger than my dad, and one day she's going to get really sick of that, mm. and she's going to look for somebody younger. Mm. And my mom had gotten remarried at that exact same time. This was my senior year in high school, very pivotal time pivotal time for me. Um, mom got remarried and moved to Las Vegas, okay. and there were some discrepancies around when she actually got remarried versus and there was all kinds of stuff that broke some more trust, and so she's you know, a four hour plane ride away from me now. Um, my dad is remarried to somebody who I don't like. Um, I go off to college to, to play golf at Ferris state university. Um, like not prepared for, for anything whatsoever. Mm. Um, I go down there and, you know, it ended up being a disaster. I didn't do much of anything in terms of school, got into the party life, got into the whole scene. Everything started, you know, kind of spiraling out of control, didn't like the town. The golf program wasn't what I thought it was. Um, ended up going back home to a community college. And then my, uh, my best friend and I, um, you know, who I, who I missed a lot being gone. We're like, Hey, why don't we, why don't we go to uh, Northern Michigan university? We'll get a house up there. It'll be great. We'll go to you know college. We'll have a big party house. It'll be fantastic. I'm like, yeah, that sounds cool. I don't want to hang out in my hometown anymore. My yeah. dad's situation's weird in my man. Like I, I've got nothing, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we end up moving up to this to this college house. And it was a party house. And I mean it, it was a it was a full deal. I mean, we were we were well known. Um, and I'm not proud to admit that now, but it's part of the story. Yeah. So so this is where life took a turn for me. And, um, although it was some of the darkest times of my life, it was, it was, is something I would never, ever take back. Cause it was, 
this was the this was the turning point for me to go into 180. Yeah. Um, we were having a big party one night. Nothing unusual. Um, in walks a friend of mine from back home. She brings in a girl with her um, who was a friend of hers who I hadn't previously met. Um, she walks in, looks the part, the whole deal. And of course, when you're, when you're in college, that's pretty much all you're concerned with. Mm -hmm. So long story short, she and I start, start dating. And of course, back then, you know, growing up Catholic and not my faith being not part of anything that was important to me, it was just a check mark on a, on a list that really wasn't that important. Mm -hmm. And I'd gotten confirmed and, and, and all that kind of stuff when I was a senior, because that's quote unquote, what you should do. Yeah. As a Catholic, right? So, yeah. so anyway, we start dating, and we're only a couple of weeks into you know talking and, and, and meeting up uh, for dinner and stuff like that. And she invites me over to her house, and she lived at home with her parents. And I walked in this house, Mitch, and it was like walking into a twilight zone for me because I walk in and I'm like seeing Bibles all over the place. And I, when I say all over the place, I'm like you know a couple on like a nightstand and yeah, you know like a coffee table and. They, you know, I'm there for dinner and they're praying before meals and they're like, Hey, do you want to come to church with us? I'm like, uh, yeah, it'd be great. You know, I haven't been to church in a long time. And, um, they go to a, a Baptist church, right? Mm -hmm. And for anybody who's got experience in a Baptist church versus a Catholic church, they are on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> so I walk in to this church with them and I'm like, what is going on here? People are like happy and laughing and people are clapping during worship. I'm like, what is going on? Are these people okay? And, yeah. you know. So, um, so anyway, I start like really, really gravitating towards this family for two reasons. One, because I so badly lacked that family unit eight years old on. Yeah. And I'm loving the fact that they're like, love me. I've never experienced like family love like this before. And I know my parents and my extended family love me. That wasn't the, wasn't the issue. It was how they showed it. Yeah. So, um, but what followed that was something that was really odd to me. And it was her parents really pushing our relationship. Mm. And I remember we were like a month and a half into dating, maybe two months. It was, it was somewhere we did, it started dating in like the first part of December. And this was like mid like January ish. And, um, they sat down with me and they're like, Hey, we really like you really like you for our daughter. Um, we really think you should start working, be working towards marriage. I'm like, what? <laughs> working towards marriage? I'm like, the only thing I've been working towards is when we're planning our next party. Like, what's yeah. going on? I'm 21. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. And the more it got talked about and pushed and pushed and talked about, and the more I didn't have, you know, structure from my own family, the more I started to think like, well, is this what I'm supposed to do? So before you know it, um, her mom and they start talking about a, a, a wedding, talking about a, a securing a place for this. And then they're like, Hey, you need to go to premarital counseling with pastor Bob. And I'm like, what in the world? Uh, okay. I, I guess. Yeah. And there's no proposal. There's nothing at this point in time. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced, but I scheduled time with this pastor and this is the turning point. We sat down and I go in there all cocky thinking, I know everything like we're just going to have like a casual conversation you know yeah. and um he goes i got a question for you before we get going so what's that he says if you leave here right after our session and you die in a car accident do you do you know where you're going i'm like what do you mean do i'm going it's like are you going to heaven or hell i said wow that's an interesting question that i've never had to think about as a catholic and i yeah. said going to heaven he goes why so, well, you know, I've done the confirmation. I've been to confession before. I, mean, I haven't been to church every Sunday. Matter of fact, I haven't been to church many, most Sundays. So I've been a pretty good person. And he's like, yeah. He goes, that's not it. Hmm. I go, really? He goes, yeah, that's not it. So he leads me to prayer of salvation. Yeah. We go through Romans 10, 9. Um, I make a decision to get baptized the next day in Lake Superior. Um, I go in there, I get baptized, and the minute when I came out of the water with my eyes wide open, the water runs off my face. My eyes are wide open. And the anxiety and angst that I had about getting married went a hundredfold right there. Wow. It intensified like some, like there was an elephant standing in my chest. 
And the best way that I can describe that is God saying, okay, you just made a decision. You hand your life over to me. You're plugged into me. You're plugged into my path. What I have for you, this is not what I have for you. Mm. So this is, I I believe he gave me like a batch of red flags, like run, get out of here, go get away from this. Yeah. And I didn't, I, I stayed in it. Um, I didn't want to disappoint anybody. Didn't want to be that guy. You know, I was pretty, pretty fragile back then. Um, Ended up going through a ceremony and had no peace about it at any point in time. And as a matter of fact, I remember as she was walking down the aisle towards me, I remember looking up at the ceiling and uttering these words out loud. God, I'm so sorry that I'm doing this. I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know this is going to end someday. I just don't know how. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was awful from day one. Um, My parents really had not much to say about it and they were just kind of like you know my mom was so far removed my dad was removed it was just like well whatever he's doing he's doing you know yeah and that wasn't what i needed back then i needed some some strong arming to like hey what you know what are you doing but um yeah so uh, fast forwarding you know things were bad from day one literally from minute one they were bad Mm -hmm. um and um we ended up moving back to my hometown I enrolled back in the community college there. Um, We formed a group of friends who had been friends, kind of like loose acquaintances of mine from high school. And I had detected um, that my then wife and an acquaintance of mine had something going on. Yeah. And I didn't have any confirmation. There were some things that had taken place, some things I had seen. And I'm like, ah, that's not really it. But things were bad with her and I. Yeah, And I, I was starting to think that there was something going on. So she had asked me one day, uh, she's like, hey, I'm going to have my girlfriends over for the night. We're just going to hang out. And she goes, would you mind staying at your dad's house? I said, wow, that's an interesting question to ask your husband. Yeah, I said, well, I suppose. So later that night, ended up uh, showing up at my at my place. Yeah. And she had girlfriends over, but she also had that acquaintance of mine over. Yeah. And, you know, I uh, walked in the front door um, in the middle of them embracing heavily, and that was all I needed to see. And at that moment, it was uh, grab everything I could, and that was God telling me, like, hey, here it is. Yeah. Um, the minute that I saw that, it was the most relief, or one of the one of the times in my life where I've had the most relief. Wow. Um, not because I knew that I was going to be going through a split. It wasn't that. It was because I knew that what I did in getting married— was it was not what God wanted. Yeah. And it was just reverted back to that for me. So um that marriage was was one of the toughest times in my life, but the, one of the probably the biggest blessing mm. that I've ever gone through. So wow. um so yeah, so that that took place. Um then I ended up finishing college. I actually went to Lake Superior State in northern northern Michigan and um, finished up college, moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I really, really ended up, um, really growing in the Lord. Yeah. Um, so that was a, it was an amazing time. Um, but through all of that mission, and, and this is a real, I guess for anybody who suffers from any type of, uh, anxiety, um, see what I was really good at with putting on this armor and this protection mechanism that I did when I was eight, nine years old. I, I became really good at it when I went through my divorce mm-hmm. because um, I just couldn't deal with any of the, the hurt. I just wanted to move on from it. Well, the problem was, is it's, I'll, I'll kind of compare it to this, this example. You know, when you stuff like garbage in a garbage can and you go through it and you're like, ah, oh, I could probably gonna have to take that out soon. And you stuff it down, you stuff it down. And pretty soon you can't stuff it anymore until yeah. it spills over the edge. Yeah. That's what happened to me at age 23. Wow. Um, all the stuff from my parents, all the stuff that I saw, the unforgiveness from my parents, my own marriage, the, all the things just boiled over. And I became, I experienced anxiety at a debilitating level. Mm. I couldn't function. I couldn't get on an airplane. I couldn't get in a car unless I was driving it. I couldn't get in an elevator. Wow. I couldn't lock a bathroom door if I went in it because I was afraid that it wouldn't open. I couldn't be trapped in anything that I couldn't escape. So... There was a long, t- a long period of time where I, I just suffered from this mm. anxiety. It was, it was awful. And then when I moved to Grand Rapids, 
Um, this was after about three or four years of dealing with this. Um, I went to a, a business networking event and I was telling a gal there who her and her husband are still really good friends of mine, what had been going on in my life. And she says, you know, you need to come to Resurrection Life Church. And there's a friend of mine there. His name is Dr. Don. He's a former uh, atheist medical doctor, but he teaches a, a class on Bible health, nutrition, biblical principles about your health. I said, wow, that sounds good. So I go to this class and Dr. Don and I become instantly good friends. He's one of my best friends to this day. Um, amazing mentor. And he's about 65 years old. We're a little ways, a ways away in, in age, but, um, amazing, amazing individual suffered from very similar things that I did. Yeah. But he taught me God's word and how to combat the guilt and the shame and the control and manipulation that I went through as a kid. And then the anxiety, mm. um, into the verses that I've stood on ever since or Philippians four through four, six through eight in second Timothy one, seven, mm. um, those have become paramount in my life, but met him really quick. Yeah. Go. If you're listening to this, I love that you didn't say them. I'd love to challenge you. Go find those verses and read your Bible. What were they again? Philippians four, Philippians four, six through eight. Yeah. And second Timothy one, seven. Okay. That's your homework. Go do that. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. All good. Um, so, but I had to, I had to participate, right? I, I learned all of this but I had to go do and I had to go do with God at my side Mm. and taking this fear, throwing it off to the side, proverbially stomping the devil in the neck and going and getting on an elevator going and getting on a plane. And there was pre prior to this eight or nine times that I went to the airport, got on an airplane, checked my bags, going to visit my mom, going to visit friends or whatever. As soon as they were going to shut the door of the airplane, I grab my stuff, get off and walk off the walk off the plane bawling mess outside of the airport, go home, super defeated, depressed mm. because I felt like I failed again. That happened to me eight or nine times. Mm. Um, the number of times that I was at a work event and there was like this, you know, uh, reception on the 30th floor of a building, I'd walk the stairs mm. and look like a complete freak showing up up there in a sweating in a suit, you know, like there were so yeah. many things that I missed out on and, and avoided out of fear. Wow. But I remember I finally did it one day. I went to the went to the mall with this gal who invited me to, to meet Dr. Don. Mm-hmm. She rode a glass elevator with me for four hours. Up wow. and down, up and down, up and down until I finally was fine in there mm-hmm. where I could have stayed in there all night. Wow. And all the while just speaking scripture the entire time. Wow. That's a good friend. She was amazing. She still is amazing. Um, Can I ask you a question before we yeah. move? In that moment, how would you describe... For because this is for people, it's for two things. It's you either experience these these bouts of anxiety or these like crippling anxiety, or you are in a life you're doing life with someone who does. Mm-hmm. There isn't someone who doesn't experience it in one of those two capacities. And so, as someone who was ex- like living it, right? What did you need in that moment? What can what piece of advice can you give to somebody who might? be the best friend of or the spouse of or the brother of sister of someone who experiences debilitating anxiety yep. what, what did you need in that moment because I, mind you i recognize that everybody's experience is different so what you needed is different than what i needed what, which is different than they needed right yeah but <clears throat> with that in mind like what is something what's a piece of advice to chew on that you could give somebody who is walking through life with somebody number one <clears throat> This is not your identity. Yeah. This is not who God made you to be. Josh wasn't born with, uh, geez, Josh is going to be born in Escanaba, Michigan, and we're going to give him anxiety, really debilitating when he's about 21, 22, 23 years old, and uh, depression. That's going to be his lot in life. Yeah. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. So number one, reminding somebody where their identity lies. Mm. It, it lies in our, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and in his word. Yeah. Number one. Number two, this isn't going to last. This will go away. Yeah. This is minor. This is a, this is like, uh, uh, this is just like a small little hurdle in life. Yeah. So I needed to be reminded of that, Hmm. that life circumstances, situations have crafted this viewpoint or this, this, this feeling. And I'm not, believe me, 
fear, anxiety, depression, stress, angst, all that kind of stuff is very real. Yeah. Feelings are real. Yeah. But they don't have to be true. Yeah. That's, so, wow. so that is what I needed at that time. And yeah. that's what I, what I got. Wow. And, uh, that is really good. Thank you. Um, wow. Feeling, uh, and that's, that's the thing that people need to remember. Feelings are real, but they're not facts. Yeah. Feelings are real. They're not facts. And that's so hard because a lot of times when you're in it, all you can see is your feelings. Like you can't, that's it. you're not reasonable. You're like, you're not, you're, you're not thinking logically, but, and, and there's nothing to blame. Like you are in crisis mode. You're in mm-hmm. protect yourself mode. And so how you feel is all that matters and you got to protect yourself and, but feelings aren't always facts. Um, wow. So you went up and down the elevator for four hours. Yep. Yep. The elevator. Um, and then I, and then I got on a plane. I had to go stand in uh, my good friend's wedding in Florida. I got on the plane and literally, um, I remember I was walking through Detroit Metro airport. I remember this like it happened five minutes ago anticipating now i'm walking through the terminal that i walked out of eight different times yeah crying my eyes out yeah right so i'm, I'm remembering all of this and i'm listening to a message that dr don did did on fear and anxiety and and i remember going up and scanning my ticket and walking down the jetway and mm-hmm. i'm like the whole way i'm walking down there i'm speaking second timothy 1 7 out loud i hope you've already looked that up uh, for those of <laughs> you listening to this and I just spoke it over and over and over and over again. Every and then I got on the got uh, to the plane, made the sign of the cross on the outside of the plane, put my hand over it, and said Second Timothy one seven all the way down the aisle until I found my seat. Wow. And then when I was taken off, I just looked out the uh, looked out the window, looked at the the jet engine, and I said, "Devil, you're getting sucked through that engine right now. Hmm. Like you're this, is, you were defeated two thousand years ago. And the fact that you yeah. had a grip on me this long should have never happened." But now I've got a story to tell yeah. and you're in trouble because this ain't happening again. Yeah. <laughs> so that all took place and that really started to shape my, my passion and my desire to help people with fear and anxiety because meeting Dr. Don, who went through very, very similar situations, suffer from debilitating suicidal type yeah. of anxiety. Um, so I got through all of that. And then, um, you know, through the course of this, um, really became, uh, there was a lot of healing that took place in my family. Mm. Um, you know, my mom, mom and I relationship had really gotten back on track. Good. Um, she's one of my best friends. And now same with my wow. dad. My parents are two of my best friends. My dad went through another divorce and then my dad ended up getting saved wow. and he's a, he's on fire for the Lord right now. What um, was, if I, I love, I love, I mean, I love all testimonies, but I love your testimony for the fact that I can just think of people off the top of my head who have bad relationships with their parents due to transgressions from their childhood. Yeah. And, and that can be any, insert any variable there. But like, what was the first step that for your parents in terms of like beginning to mend that bridge to build, yeah. beginning to rebuild it? What was the first step for you? Communication. So, um, I've become very, very open and honest with my parents and they're, they're my friends and they're my parents. So, um, I just had a very frank conversation one day. I said, Hey, there's some things that I, I want to, um, you know, get out on the table and, and talk about. Um, and the first step in any conversation like that is owning your part in it. So mm. there's always something you could have done differently. So yeah. I apologize for my part in certain situations, but let them know how that made me feel there what what had happened to me and that, Hey mom, I forgive you for all of this. Wow. I've forgiven you. This is in the past. This is the, this is, we're wiping the slate clean, but I just needed to do this, um, for my own healing. And I yeah. hope this helps you heal as well. Right. I did that exact same thing with my dad. Cool. Good um, for you. so it, it was just an amazing time. And, um, you know, I had my time, time ran out in Grand Rapids and God was prompting me to come to Colorado. Yeah. Um, didn't know a soul out here Had a job promotion opportunity, had no idea. I just got out of a really, really difficult relationship. Um, I had no idea why I had peace to move here, but I did and hooked up a U-Haul and moved out here. Um, wow. found, found Red Rocks church before I even moved here. I actually signed up to volunteer before I moved here just cause I knew that was, that was my home. Wow. And, um, things have been amazing ever since God has definitely plotted an amazing pathway out here and can't wait to see what he has next. Dang. And that's so cool. I, 
there is something next and I want to give you the chance to talk about it. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for sharing your testimony. That is, uh, man, there's so much teaching that you just shared in terms of like, without you even knowing it, what you, what you shared is going to release shackles from people who, or maybe even give people this, like the, the encouragement or the edification to take that first step to, to talk to their parents or to get on a plane. <laughs> um, and, and I think the coolest thing about testimonies in and of themselves, if I could make a broad sweeping statement is that they are unifying. They are creating camaraderie. They're creating a common denominator because so often people go through the things of life, which are normal because like it says in the Bible, like we will experience trouble in this world. Like we will experience trouble in this life. Like it is a fact of the Bible. Um, we can't, we can't believe parts of it. It's all of it. And so if it says it's going to happen. Yeah. So you sharing an, a testimony of divorced parents, a testimony of divorce, a testimony of infidelity, a testimony of, anxiety, a testimony of partying in college. All of these things are things that people experience regularly, but they don't feel as if there is other if there are other people that do it too. So there's shame in it and so then they walk in it by themselves. And yeah. so by you simply telling your story, let alone expanding on it and giving us vulnerability and insight to how you felt through those times, you could have just A to B said, this is what happened in my life. And that in itself is powerful enough for somebody else to be like, I'm not alone in it. And then you gave like the, the cream on top, which is amazing. So thank you. Of course. Thank you. I, um, I want to give you a chance. There's something new uh, that you are working on uh, that I would love for you to talk about uh, real quick, if you would. Yeah, so one as I said, a passion and a desire I feel like God has facilitated through me um, is a fear and anxiety ministry. And um, so soon here within the next month, going to be launching a life slash support group through Red Rocks Church around strictly around fear and anxiety. Mm. And I want I want my vision for this is to be a safe haven for people who feel like they can't go talk about this with anybody. Or they feel like they're alone or they're weird or, you know, everybody else seemingly has it together. Um, not everybody else has it together. Most of us don't have it together yeah. in some form or fashion. So this is uh, this is something I'm, I'm super excited about. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of The Office. And I think a lot of people, if anybody recalls this particular episode where Dwight goes into the office building trying to find trying to find Michael in this particular this particular customer and he comes up upon the receptionist st- station and he's running down the hallway and he just yells out spin move and wheels around her and just barges into this office. Right. <clears throat> I think a lot of people have that, uh, that, that, uh, viewpoint on their anxiety or whatever is, is holding them down. They're just going to like skirt around it, spin around the outside of it and just kind of ignore it and just carry on with life. It's time to stop at the receptionist station, yeah. deal with it, kick, yeah. you know, and just kick down whatever hurdles need to be kicked down wow. and, and realize where God's place in that is his place yeah. is centrally located in it. So that's my, that's my passion and I'm really excited to get that moving. That's really cool. So keep an eye out for that as it comes up. Um, reach out to me uh, through any medium and I can get you connected with Josh. Josh, what's your Instagram? You're on Instagram, yeah? I am, yeah. It's Josh and then underscore Kep, and that's K-O-E-P-P. K-O-E-P-P. Um, that's really cool, and I think that that's a place. I would just love to, like, for someone else, for people to experience the power of talking about it. Whether you go to this place and Josh doesn't have all the answers. The other people in the group don't don't have all the answers, but... The Holy Spirit does, and I believe that he honors, he He will honor you being transparent and authentic about the hurts that you're experiencing, and by you talking about it, that's going to bring healing. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm not going to put a definition to healing. That's going to look differently for you. And I'm, ex- I'm learning that in my life that it's like, 
wow, when I sit back and look at the last three years, it looks nothing like I thought it was going to. But like, I'm healed in a different way than I was. I was wanting. I'm in a. It's a better way, and that's really cool. So like, I say that, Josh. Thank you for being obedient throughout the course of your life to move here to to and here's the thing is there are parts and you recognize it and that's called repentance of like i wasn't obedient in those moments um and i think you learned through wow when i wasn't obedient this is what happened (laughs) and 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 that is something again oh my goodness soapbox really quick really fast we as Christians believe that like there's not consequences for our actions. I truly believe that we're like, oh, like my sin doesn't re- does, there's no repercussions for my sin. Like I can do what I want because of the cross. Yeah, you're going to get into heaven still because of the cross. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Nowhere does it say there are not going to be repercussions for the sins that you are willingly and choosing to do. Yep. You in that moment were disobedient and there were consequences but now today you are realizing the the fruit of obedience and it says in the bible like those who have are obedient to god like who have a a reverent fear of god are his friends like you look in the bible and anybody described as a friend of god previously in that passage it says that they feared god and they were obedient to god i want to be a friend of god you're a friend of god and so Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, sharing your testimony, sharing your heart. I'm excited to have you on. I teased you guys earlier about it. Um, I know that you guys care so much about my tease. Um, But uh, I'm starting a podcast called Mitch Talks Mental. Um, The idea is that this is going to be primarily the highway of like the highway of testimonies <laughs> like the army of testimonies we're going to stay a to b for the most part we, we take stops for little chicken nuggets but um mitch talks mental is going to be a place where josh is going to come on and he's going to talk about anxiety and fear in depth it's going to be a shorter episode it's going to be a pointed structured and very teaching episode um in terms of like what have you learned through this what have you what would you tell somebody else? And it's going to be very narrow scoped and, and um, topiced. And I'm really excited about that because I, there is a, a beauty to breadth in terms of like, we talked about it all, but there's also like such value to digging in and talking. And so we're going to do that. Um, that is like a lot sooner than I've been talking about Mitch Talks Mental. If you listen to this podcast, I've been talking about it for like a year. Uh, and God has just done a lot of things to evolve it and change it and shape it and say, Mitch, that's your idea, not my idea. Let me give you my idea. And then I'm like, I don't really like that idea. And then he's like, too bad. Um, that's just kind of how I want it to go. So that's how it's going. And so there's going to be a YouTube channel. I hate being in front of the camera. I roll my eyes as I talk on the mic. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. Josh, thank you for coming on again. I can't thank you enough. Thank you for the coffee. Um, I love sitting and listening to people's testimonies and talking and drinking coffee. So with that, if this episode um, hit you in the heartstrings somewhere, or you thought of somebody, would you share it with someone that you care about, that you love? Um, You don't necessarily even need to like, care about them just share it with them because you know (laughs) i guess you would care about them if you shared it with them but like just share it with people who you think it would be valuable to um i'm trying not to be on social media so i probably won't do a whole lot of um advertising for this um i'm gonna let seo do its job and for all of you who don't know what that is google seo um but until next time peace